0: Together. Thanks
1: for listening to the KC Morning Show.
2: Everything's running smoothly.
1: Yo, yo, yo! Yo! What is going on? My name's Artsell. And this right here, yeah, it's the KC Morning Oh baby I'm I'm still cracking I feel like a prepubescent boy such is life What's going on y'all my name's Hartzell, Happy Thursday on the show today we're calling this Transparency Thursday how about that got a nice little ring to it. On the show today, we have Beth Brittenstein. She is with Channel 2, our local government public access channel. I'm that guy who loves Channel 2, and I think we should all be digging Channel 2. This is this is our seat at the table, my friends. We can watch what's happening, real news happening in real time. So we'll talk to Beth. Really enjoyed the conversation, and we wrap up with Ryan X. He's the founding editor of the Kansas City Defender. We're getting an update on everything they have going on. And full disclosure, my friends, we're going to say some things. i got to make you very uncomfortable and that's the point today get it we about to make these white folks feel weird hey. do me a favor rate review subscribe tell your friends about what we got going on full show back in your feeds on friday up next beth brittenstein and ryan x my name's hartsel we'll see you in the morning bye going straight to one place, right to Kansas City. The KC Morning Show. My friends, I'm excited for you to hear this. And after you get done hearing this, you can go and see this because we're talking channel two. We're talking Kansas City government transparency. Beth Brittenstein is here. She's a public information officer with, I guess, Kansas City. Yeah. The KCMO. That's where I am. Indeed. Wow, the, Happy the, to be here. The city signs your checks. I still think that's cool.
0: Am I am I an outlier? Oh my gosh. Anytime you think that city government is cool, we are all about it. <laughs> um, we, we think it's pretty cool. And you've been around downtown been around the city, you've seen people wear their Casey's t-shirts, oh, and there's yeah. a reason for that. We got City Pride, so we're pretty excited about that.
1: And how you gain more Civic Pride is stuff like what you're doing, like Channel 2. This is our government channel. This is where we can have a front row
0: seat to be in the room where it happens. Absolutely. Absolutely. Channel 2, in case uh, you haven't heard about it, it is it is indeed our government access channel, and it is both a, something you could access on, on your TV with cable, but, but we realize not everybody has cable more and more. Not a lot of people have cable including myself. So you can pull it up on our YouTube channel as well. So we stream channel two on YouTube and we have it on the cable channel too. So you're exactly right when you say it's it's being in the room where it happened. You want to see city council committee meetings where they make really big decisions that affect your lives. You can tune in to channel two and watch it. And Wednesday is a big day. It's our committee day where we have a series of of meetings that people can tune into and and, and find out what ordinances and resolutions are going to be at the full council. Council on Thursday. So it's a big deal. It's a big way to see into government and correct me if I'm wrong, the 25th anniversary, Beth? You got it. Yes, 25th anniversary of Channel 2 and its current version. So we know there was a Channel 25 like in the 70s, 80s time because we've seen the tapes of Feathered Bangs, so we know that it, it in fact existed. And there's some really good stuff in the archives. I think we'll probably try to push some of that out and we have in the past. Please um, do. But yeah. Oh yeah, you'll love it. I mean, it's it's like stuff that movies are made of. Um, it is it is some good good content and there's been some, some really interesting stuff on the old Channel 25. But yeah, the current Channel 2 is 25 years old. It could rent a car, right? Is that the age <laughs> where you can rent a car? Is that the car anniversary, something like that? I don't remember. It's something in the 20s. It's a weird, weird arbitrary number. I, I just remember that. And I feel like, you know, over the
1: last... 18 19 20 months you know there's been an emphasis on on these primary sources you know we come from radio beth which is why mm-hmm. i can tell we're already best friends we've always been on and now we're even more on in this last 20 months in this panini that we're in have you noticed a, an uptick in and people taking a look at channel two absolutely
0: yeah we you know during during unfortunately the the pandemic that we're still in we had noticed that our, our survey results have told us that the effectiveness of our communication citizen satisfaction with that has increased total of about 16% across the board. So that just tells us that people seek out local, you know, local government resources to keep them informed on their local issues. And with COVID, there was so much local, right? You know, state would put out something, but then, you know, local entities had the freedom to kind of decide what was best for their region. So people really did. People turned to us for information. And, And like you said, you know, there's so much information out there. You mentioned radio, you know, radio was at one point the source, right, for people to seek out what's going on and as things have expanded and technology expanded there's so many ways to get information and coming right to the source of you know your local your local government is is always going to be the place where you're going to find the most accurate current information straight from the source and we're happy to work with our media partners and and amplifying that message because it's so important to do so especially not in these covid times as they say
1: well I think also it's so important and I hope I'm not taking a tangent here but you know how do you counter misinformation really how are we gonna to get out of this eventual pandemic in general i am someone that believes it's hyper local it's going to the folks you trust you believe and you know but also it should be rooted in facts your news source is not facebook right You, you mentioned technology this push now to youtube and streaming how has that played into what you all have going on now
0: yeah, it's just more access, and 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 back to your your point about you know misinformation. We're we're so data driven, and and our health department is very data driven. So every every decision, every recommendation that the city makes is is purely data driven. We give the data to our our electeds; they make an informed decision based on that data, and we push that out. I mean, we have a wonderful group in in the city called Data KC, whose main job is really to crunch those numbers and really track what people want. And one of the things they do is they put out a citizen satisfaction survey. And we see that in our 2021 survey where we ask people, what are your preferred methods of getting information from the city? City website's number one. And that's, that's great because everything kind of comes back to the website. We, we have links to our Channel 2 stream on the website. And we know that people Google, right? And it, and it, it pushes them right to our website, which is great. And then email and then social media is our third uh, with 35% of people saying that's their... Their favorite way. So that just continues to grow, social media especially, because it's real-time information. It's a news feed for people. And cutting through the, the misinformation is always going to be an issue. But again, going straight to the source, following the city on those platforms are going to give you the most accurate real-time information.
1: The mayor, for example, he's been tweeting out links to Channel 2 and watching these committee hearings and seeing these ordinance be introduced and then passed. I really appreciate that. And I hope we can get more of our electeds pushing this link so that, yeah, let us all be involved in this, ushering in this new era. I think we're better when we all do it together. And to do that, we got to be informed and we've got the resources right
0: here. So I guess, Beth, if you don't mind, what is your pitch? just the everyday things that you, you take for granted, you know, is what your local government provides, option for people to access us through various technologies. We have a new app called the My Mo app that, that we're pushing right now. As pothole season approaches with the freeze and thaw cycle is about to begin and science tells us that uh, guess what, that, that doesn't hold up in the streets all the time, which is just a given in, in the Midwest. So we know that uh, people are looking for ways to get that information and report it in, in our new app is, is a way to do that. It's just that everyday those everyday issues that people can access us with. We have snow removal coming up. We're already training our plowers that are amazing. Are already learning their routes and training, and that's been a big emphasis with our our uh, new city manager, Brian Platt. He's he's created a 24-hour operation. More focus on residential streets because the people told us they wanted that. You know, those are just ways that if you get engaged with your city government, change happens, and that's exactly what what is occurring with things like that, with the snow removal changes, and you know, zero fare transit, and all the different issues. That are occurring right now and, and that we're responding to.
1: I love where you just took that answer. We started off talking about Channel Two, but you just showed us that it's more than that. You get this app, we can find ways to get a hold of our elected and say, "Yeah, this pothole is a this pothole is a cuss word. <laughs> we need to get this fixed." You know, snow removal. Can we get this shoveled? Making a better connection to us and our government. I'm someone who believes in government because government is ran by people in government. And so if you have the right folks pushing the right message, pushing transparency, I'm a fan of what you do, my friend.
0: Well, I'm a fan of what you do. Let's talk about let's talk about you and your cheerleader uh, abilities for the city of Kansas City, Missouri. We always appreciate all the things you do as well, Hartzell. You, you are such a cheerleader for the city. You make me excited to be here. You have a way of just kind of making your excitement about being in Kansas City contagious. So I want to thank you for that that. And for amplifying channel two, I know you're a watcher. Um And like you said, it's just one of the ways that people can access the city and what's going on. But I, I think there's just something special about being able to watch city council. I mean, you think about back in the day when that was not even an option, you had to show up, you had to come down to town, you had to park, you had to go, you know, and now we can just do that in our living rooms and more and more people working at home, they could, you know, multitask, have channel two on and, you know, be doing their work or whatever. So the convenient factor, we're so lucky to be in this time where we have that access. And, and, you know, Channel Two is, is absolutely a way that we want to make sure that people are aware of it, so that they can watch the full thing. If they need to go back and archive, you can do that too through our Clerk site. So if you miss it in real time, we realize people work, so you know you can't watch it during eight to five. There's a way to go back and, and see that and see what what the conversation was. And we very much love our media partners. But you want to see the whole thing, you could watch Channel Two. You want to see you know a summary, that's great too, and that's why we have our media partners, and you could watch that on the, on the news as well. So yeah it's a it's a it's an exciting time to be in Kansas City. It's an exciting time to get involved. We're updating our comprehensive plan for the next 20 years, the Casey Spirit Playbook, yeah. if you've seen some some of that, that's that's really exciting. That that sets the priorities and kind of guides our land development decisions to ensure that we are this people-centered community and and a model for other American cities to follow for for future generations. That's a that's a really exciting thing. That's just one of the ways that people can can engage and get involved and make sure that we are continuing to thrive and, and grow and become the grown-up city that we've always been meant to be and we are becoming. It's pretty exciting.
1: I think we got a good thing in Kansas City and I mean that in the full <laughs> extent of the word because we got good people here. Go, we do. Let's go change the world, Beth. What do you think? I love it. I'm in
0: for the change of the world. Let's do this.
1: <laughs> Beth Brittenstein, she's a public information officer on the show today. She's representing Channel 2. Before I let you go, can you plug that app one more time?
0: Yeah, the My mobile app. So if you go to our website, a good way to just kind of find all, all of this wonderful resources is uh, kcmo.gov. So again, that's kcmo.gov, And you can find everything you need to access the city. If you're interested in knowing, you know, kind of how we track resident satisfaction, we have a little button you could click called We Heard You. It'll link you right to all the data that shows what you have told us, what city residents have told us they want to hear and what emphasis and communications they want. And that's how we make our decisions. Yeah. If you Google My KCMO app, you will find yourself uh, at that app where you can download that. And hey, stuff's coming where you need to report it. You, you got it on, on the My KCMO app. And you're
1: about to get a new download out of me. Here we go. There it is. Thank you so, so much for everything. And you have an open invite on this show. I tell you what, I even really like looking at the, in air quotes, commercials in between the events where it's just (laughs) a calendar update. All things Kansas City. It's a wonderful one-stop shop. And again, you have an invite on this show whenever you want it, my friend.
0: Well, Hartel, you're the best. Thank you for everything you do to amplify uh, what's going on in Kansas City and for being a watcher of Channel 2. We need more. So I appreciate it. I am, Ryan. Ryan. Beautiful. Beautiful. Cloud. I am I I
1: Ryan X, my man is back, the founding editor of the Kansas City Defender. First off, Welcome back. Second off, continuing to be proud of you. This is what we need. This is important right now. The Kansas City Defender, Kansas City's number one black publication, and y'all are making moves, making all the moves. And I mostly, Ryan, just want you to give us an update. Number one, how can we help amplify? How can we share? And tell us what's going on.
2: Absolutely. Well, it's a lot of stuff going on right now. I mean, we've been incredibly busy for the past like two to three weeks. Basically, since the Park Hill South incident happened where a number of students on the freshman football team in Park Hill decided to uh, create a petition to bring back slavery and 100 students in the district signed that. And so we went to the board meeting, we confronted the superintendent, we held the superintendent and other administrators accountable. And we did the same thing uh, at uh, Olathe South after the homecoming incident happened where the student had the racist homecoming poster. And we basically had to tell the story of the black student who was getting blamed. And other media outlets were actually publishing uh, the entire PR statement from the white mom who was blaming this black child for things that these two white students decided to do. And so we've been having to keep up very rapidly with the things that are happening in high schools. And most recently, as last week, uh, we spoke to a number of students from Raytown South who actually staged a walkout, but then they said that the walkout ended up getting co-opted by the administration. They said things like their school feels like a prison, like they feel very unsafe walking through the hallways because there's police officers watching their every move. And so right now we're still focused on building relationships with students because a lot of these kids have been voiceless and continue to be voiceless and they don't have any media that they can turn to. So this is the first time really in Kansas City history where kids have the opportunity. They can reach out to us on Instagram and it's very easy. And so because of that, there's been a lot of students and a lot of parents who have been speaking out and that we've been able to develop relationships with and tell their stories for them. This is why I wanted
1: to have you on the show because I guarantee you, I guarantee you, you just broke news for a ton of folks right now. I bet folks didn't hear that over a hundred people signed that petition they made it feel like it was a you know an outlier situation and i guarantee you you just broke news for a bunch of folks who saw that Olathe South racist ass poster, but I bet a bunch of them didn't realize that the only kid who's been punished was the black kid. This is why you're important. This is why what you all are doing is so vital right now, man. I
2: appreciate that. And and I think that's definitely crazy. Like the Olathe South situation. Once I saw what was happening, I reached out directly to the black student. Like before he came out, before anything else happened, I, I got in contact with him because I had already been in touch with another student who was friends with him. So he put me in contact with the young black student and so when the mom went into kshb and i had a very strong issue which we can talk about that later because right now there's like a lot of media outlets that like want to befriend each other and i can understand that but we can't be friends if you're like you're publishing an entire pr statement that's just a complete fabricated lie about a a black minor that a mom went to kshb and told so just like those types of things we're, we're making sure that we're in connection with the people on the ground with the black people on the ground with the community if this was you know two months ago that black kid wouldn't have had anybody to talk to. And his story would have not gotten out there. And so that lady would have just lied on him. And that just would have been what it was. And even with us, he's still not able to go back on campus. So that can just kind of show you the type of injustice that the status quo is currently in. Can
1: you just break down that story for us? Because this is actually a piece you have written on the website, again, on the KC Defenders website. Because again, a lot of folks here don't know the backside of this story. You know, the headlines were good for a couple days, the racism of it all, but nobody followed up. So can you just break down that piece of this story how is it the only black kid involved in this as the poster was a racist poster towards black folks how is it the only black kid is the one who's in trouble
2: it makes honestly no sense at all but just to kind of explain what happened basically there was the black kid who previously was friends with the white kid who created the poster the kid there's a kid seth there's a kid Lindsay, and then there's the black kid and basically what happened was the black kid and in the very beginning which can happen to a lot of black people who are are like surrounded by a lot of white people and you might try to like appease white people or you might try to like go along with their jokes that you know are racist but because you're the only black person then you can't really say anything and so that was the situation that this black kid had found himself in and so in the very beginning he kind of was like sure that might be funny if you all do this but then midway through he said actually you guys like definitely shouldn't do this like I'm not comfortable with it he told me personally because I've been in direct contact with him and he told me personally he said if you do this you will probably get canceled." He said he said that that verbatim, and that the kids still decided to go through with the homecoming thing, the sign, creating it, taking the picture, posting it, and so it went viral after that. And basically, the the white kid Seth, who his parents pulled him out of school, they turned him into virtual because of that. Like the school wasn't able to enforce any actual punishments, and then the girl, I think her name's Lindsay, but she attends a different school, so that wasn't really under Olathe the South's jurisdiction, basically. And so the only student right now technically who is facing any punishment is the black student and the black student told me that they asked him not to come to school for the rest of that week and then the next week they called him in and they said uh quote unquote for his own safety that he's not allowed to come back on campus until second semester and he told them that he did not do very good in school last year because he doesn't do great in virtual school and that he wants to come to school in person and they said that they said basically that's too bad for your safety you're not allowed back on campus until second semester and that's just kind of where the after today
1: second semester is when he's gonna be allowed to come back again that is news that i do not think the greater kansas city area knows because if they did this should be still the biggest story in town and there should be actual outrage i want to come back to this for sure but i do want to pivot a little bit if we can so you know that i work over at kcur it's our national public radio station in kansas city so there was an article that came out yesterday the title of the article was called activists say kansas city is in a moment of crisis after racist incidents at local schools and this was in response to you all hosting that town hall over at umkc and so you quote tweeted and said, we would not use the phrase activist to describe the makeup of the mass town hall. These are everyday people. They just have a sense of morality and don't want to stand by and watch black children get terrorized and neglected any longer. And I think it's a perspective that we haven't heard enough. So could you break that down a little bit?
2: Yeah, I think just like when I was looking at it, because I I liked the actual article and I, I told I think her name was Jody who wrote the article I thought the article was written very well and I appreciated her coming out and covering the event for us because a lot of other media didn't cover the event and so I think she did a great job of covering the event but just in terms of like using that phrasing activist I think can be problematic because a lot of those people like I'm not even an activist right now I'm a journalist I'm a publisher I'm an editor I'm just reporting on what's happening and creating spaces for black people to come together and like a lot of these parents, we're just parents from, say, Olathe South, or parents from Park Hill, or parents from Raytown, or parents from Lee Summit. We had parents from everywhere that came to our town hall, and that might have been their very first time ever coming to anything that's like black-related ever. And so there was this huge assortment of people that came to that event. Some people were educators, some people were parents, some people were students. We had a number of students from Race Outcome, and so it was just a big conglomerate of people who were just concerned, concerned citizens. I think everybody truly should be if they recognize the severity of what's happening in our city with regards to the racial terrorism and the spike and the continual perpetuation of white supremacy in schools. I think anyone who is concerned about the rise of those things and the danger that it poses not only to black students, but to all students. Uh, Those people, those are the types of people who decided to come to the town hall. And so I think to label them as activists makes it seem like maybe they're biased, some liberal snowflakes, whatever type of label, (laughs) other type of label somebody might want to put onto it. So
1: So, Ryan, how do we not perpetuate that white supremacy all right i came from lee summit i went to high school in lee summit and i'll be honest i have been trying to grapple with the code switching that i did back then my freshman year to senior year there was a progression of code switching that i'm not honestly proud of you may have heard a few months ago there was that teacher from lee summit who said the n-word he said nigger as he was reading back a green slip to send someone to the office the school board suggested that he be fired for that but spoiler alert he's still there he was a coach he was my coach and i'll be honest he looked after me and my twin but when situations like that happen you have to look past your own personal experiences this is bigger it's for the cause and real talk ryan that dude said nigga a bunch of times whether it was a song or he was trying to be cool i don't know if he was trying to relate with this more or what but he said that and those are the facts i heard it and i regret not speaking up at the time and seeing all those students and former athletes, current athletes, black athletes, especially black coaches who are in there defending him. He's a good man. He doesn't deserve this. He's following protocol. When we say those things, we are perpetuating a system that is enabling, perpetuating and condoning white supremacy. So, Ryan, what can we do to, to do better?
2: Honestly, I think I wouldn't be too hard on yourself just in terms of what you're mentioning when you're coming up and kind of have to use those survival techniques. Because I think that's that's literally what they are—survival techniques—and oftentimes we don't know we don't know any better when we're that young. We don't have, say, the political maturity or the intellectual maturity to uh, know that these things are incredibly problematic and to know what to do about them. And so I, I definitely think that I know a lot of people like that, and even me—I'm I'm also from Lee Summit originally. I went to Lee Summit North. I went to West. Oh, uh, dope. So I, I'm definitely familiar with like when I was on the basketball team. Like we go to away games. I was the only black kid on the team. And like all these white kids are saying nigger on the back of the bus and like thinking that it's funny. And there was like nothing really that I could do about it because am I going to fight the whole basketball team or something or like what am I going to do? So I kind of just like let it happen. But just in terms of like what we can actually do about it. I think that something that like Angela Davis, Dr. Angela Davis and other scholars, Dr. Ibram X. Kennedy, for, for example, say, is that we can either be racist or we can be anti-racist and that there's not really a neutral zone in that regard. And so I think that in our situation, and particularly for white people who consider themselves to be so-called not racist, there's no such thing as not racist. Either you're perpetuating white supremacy or you're actively resisting and fighting against white supremacy. And so I think people have to make that distinction and to know that if they're doing nothing, then they are doing something and that something that they're doing is in favor of white supremacy. So people have to, to educate themselves. They should be coming to town halls. The town halls that we are doing are going to be continual. And there's a lot of energy in the town hall that we did this past weekend. There's a lot of people that showed up, a lot of parents that showed up. We broke out into groups and people are in contact with those groups now. And this is going to be something that we continue to do probably monthly now. And so I think that getting involved in things like that, getting involved in school board elections, getting involved in community organizations, really there's tons of opportunities to get involved. But I think specifically in regards to schools, I think that these town halls that, that we're helping organize are going to be uh, very influential influential, and impactful in the coming days.
1: So we got more town halls. Those are some next steps you all are taking. What are some, some stories you're working on? Again, plug where folks can go to become an intern with you. My brother, plug everything.
2: Absolutely. So right now we actually have selected our four high school interns. So we're not currently looking for any more high school interns, at least for now. We have three from Raytown South and we have one from Olathe South. For our college interns, we're definitely still looking for interns and that can be anything from a broadcast student to a writer to a We also consider ourselves to be really like, and that's something that I wanted to touch on today, too. But we consider ourselves to be basically almost like a tech company because we exist primarily on social media. Might have to talk about that after this, but we we primarily exist on social media. So we're also looking for people like data analysts. We're looking for social media strategists. We're looking for TikTokers. We're looking for people who are good at Twitter. Because that's the, uh, primarily where we create our content, not even on the website, because our Instagram has the biggest following. And so we're not looking for like traditional reporters and we wouldn't like turn away traditional reporters or uh, people in college who want to pursue that. But uh, I, I also want those people that are in college to know that we're looking for people with untraditional skill sets in the sense that if they are very excited about social media and things like that, that uh, that they could also apply for us to
1: this non-traditional media you got to think that's that's speaking to the demographic and the age of folks that you want to bring in especially again as you are establishing the kc defender as being an advocate for us for the people did you think maybe it would be more website driven at first but now you're realizing it's more more of the social realm
2: one of the things i'm always thinking about because ultimately like a lot of these other media outlets could say that we're not in competition but there are so many eyeballs in the city and like that's just the way social media is set up is there is some level of competition in the sense of uh, what's getting covered in the sense of like what media outlet is garnering certain attention with their stories in the sense of what type of audience are are we able to get and so some of the data points that I think are incredibly compelling that I have come across from our social media audience is that for instance our social media audience is 85% of our audience is between the ages of 13 and 34 that's 85% and 50% of those uh, people in our audience are between Between the ages of 13 and 24. And so just that data point alone lets me know that we have what I can pretty assuredly say is the youngest audience of any news outlet in the entire city. Um, I think we also have the blackest audience of any news outlet in the city. And so those types of things help me realize that we don't have to take that traditional media route because if these young students, people between the ages of 13 and 24 are not consuming, they're not going to websites as much as like say people in their 40s and 50s, they're not going to sit down with a newspaper or anything like that. They spend probably 80% of their time on their phone on social media. And so that's where we should live. And so we're unashamedly a social media news platform. And a lot of people will try to delegitimize us. So they'll try to uh, make that seem like we don't have the typical authority that a news outlet might have. But we do that consciously. We're, we're consciously a social media news outlet because th- we know that that's where our audience lives. And we also have those big, bold headline type things on our videos and things, too, because that's how people in our demographic consume information. And so we tailor and curate our information in ways that are you know most consumable by our target audience. And so that's just some of the things that I've been learning over the course of time that we've been operating this organization. But I think that there's definitely going to be uh, we're going to continue to evolve all the type of content that we're able to bring people to.
1: That may be the legacy of the Kansas City Defender. Finally, having an actual advocate in the media to highlight what is really going on in the trenches. And I hope that this is just the beginning of something that is in this city, supporting this town for a very, very long time, brother.
2: Yeah, I appreciate that. One other thing that that makes me think of is how after we had initially broken the the Park Hill story, or one of the, we were one of the outlets to break the Park Hill story, when I tell you that dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of people from age now like literally there's a young lady who reached out to me and said she's uh indigenous and that people were calling her a redskin and a savage as recently as last week literally as recent as last week to 1990 we had people's uncles people's grandparents people's parents alumni like dozens and dozens and dozens of people who reached out to us and told us that they have never felt comfortable speaking out before and that once they saw all this, uh, all the things that were happening and things that we were publishing that they felt comfortable and felt like they felt compelled to actually reach out to us. And so that, like you were mentioning, I think that was to me, uh, what was most meaningful and impactful about the reporting that we've been doing. And I think the other thing is that we actually, whenever these types of things happen, we don't go to the superintendent, which is often the white superintendent. and We don't go to the PR, the comms director. Of the district who knows how to carefully curate language that's beneficial for the status quo and we don't go to the principal who is also just trying to keep his job we go to the actual people on the ground we go to the student who was impacted we go to the parents who are impacted we go to the black community members who are impacted no other media outlet is doing that either so i think that's another just kind of differentiating factor of the Kansas City Defender.
1: Ryan, you guys are important, and the work is needed and necessary. I appreciate you, brother. Ryan X, he is the founding editor of the Kansas City Defender. Uh, not not on this conversation, because I got to have you back on the show, but I do want to hear the story of how you got the X. I know those stories are significant, and if you're willing to share it, I would love to hear how you got the X.
2: Absolutely, absolutely.
1: My man. Ryan, we'll chat soon, and whenever you need anything, you let me know.
2: All right, I appreciate you big time, man.
0: your style is unorthodox but effective the kc
1: morning show you're listening listening to the kc morning Morning Show. show